The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So, Dublin City Council is uh, opening a new front in the war against seagulls. We're joined by the Deputy Lord Mayor, Green Party Councillor Darcy Lonergan. Uh, Tell us about an initiative to try and stop the seagulls uh, from scavenging from rubbish sacks. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Um, We have a pilot scheme going on. It's specific for the city centre commercial and residential streets, and it's taken into account all collaborating with all the different participating bin collectors. And basically, it's just exactly what it says. It's a seagull bag. It's a bag in which seagulls cannot bite into and they can't release the rubbish. Um, Foxes can't get into either. So hopefully it's going to alleviate that problem of seagulls whipping into bags as soon as they're put out and we've seen all the rubbish on the ground. How strong are these bags going to be? Because they're they're pretty determined, these seagulls, you see a lot of them now, who are becoming also extraordinarily big these days. They are extremely determined. One of them actually stole a sandwich from my hand um, the other day in in the park. But um, look, these have been tested against seagulls in other countries. So we're really hoping that we don't have some super seagulls here in Ireland that can get to them. But they have been tested. Okay. Had you the sandwich in your hand? I did, yeah. And it actually swooped and took it out of your hand? Well, it kind of swooped in close enough and I guess it must have dropped it out of scaredness and then took it away, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, do we have any idea? I mean, are, is it, it seems to be anecdotal evidence. There seems to be seagulls anywhere. Is there anything official to suggest that because of the availability of food in the city centre in particular and bags which can be broken into, that we seem to have more and bigger seagulls around? Well, what I've been told is that actually because we've started to cap some of the landfill sites around the city centre where they used to go to, they're now coming in a bit more into the um, into the city centre because we've cut off that resource to them. Okay, if, if particularly if restaurants and shops and supermarkets don't use this, these bags, will there be a sort of a penalty for them if they don't take the opportunity to deter the seagulls? I think the main thing now is just to run the pilot. Um, we have we have people, uh, businesses signed up to it. We're going to run it in residential areas. See how it works. See the pros, see the cons, and then take it from there. Okay, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Darcy Lonigan, Green Party Councillor, Deputy Lord Mayor. It's time for the last word on health. Dr. Lona Duffy joins us after we've had the traffic with Neil O'Reilly. Thanks, Matt. Starting in Dublin, there is debris on the M1 northbound between the two Balbriggan exits, junctions 5 and 6, and it's affecting both lanes at the moment, so do take care and approach. Elsewhere, it's heavy along Wideville Road towards Lachlanstown from the Glenageary direction. Next to Kildare, watch out for debris on the M7 westbound between the M9 merge and junction 12 Newbridge in the middle lane. And finally, for those of you in Wexford, the N25 is heavy towards the New Ross Road roundabout from the Drina side. Neve O'Reilly today AFM Travel. Dr. Alona Duffy joins us for our weekly Last Word in Health. And today you want to talk about a condition called cystitis. What is that? Well, Matt, cystitis is something that many of the female listeners out there will be fully aware of because they'll have suffered from it. Um, Very common in women at different times in their life and during earlier life and perhaps when they're sexually active and later on when they become postmenopausal. So what is it? 
It is inflammation of the lining of the bladder and lining of the tube that leads from the bladder. And kind of it will present with various symptoms. But the most common symptom is what we medically call dysuria, which is discomfort passing urea. And so your urine, when you go to pee, it's kind of it may vary from just feeling uncomfortable to an actual burning sensation to being so sore that people actually find it difficult to pass urine. Okay, so what causes that? Well, I suppose there are a variety of things. One of the commonest causes, obviously, is infection. And women are more prone to this because the tube we have that leads from outside, from our genital area into the bladder is shorter than that of the men. So therefore, the ability of bacteria to move upwards is is kind of easier because it's a shorter tube. Um, so it's one of the reasons women will tend to get the cystitis more and it may be infective in nature. But it can be other things. Sometimes if we're dehydrated and our urine has become very concentrated because of friction or kind of trauma, during intercourse or dependent on maybe cycling a bike, wearing tight underwear, that can cause a bit of inflammation at the opening and that can spread upwards. So being aware of all of that, ensuring you have plenty of fluids and and if you have symptoms, just monitoring those and talking to your GP if things are getting worse. Okay, and then what about treatments for it? So um, initially, the first line of treatment often is an antibiotic. So often if it's your first time and you're ringing, you're saying you're having awful pain, you're burning and stinging, passing urine, you may have blood that you can see in the urine. You may also have tummy pain. And if you have other symptoms such as maybe feeling a bit hot and sweaty, you may have a temperature, um, we'll, we'll go straight in with an antibiotic. But the ideal thing is that we collect a urine sample from you. And I suppose this is an important piece. If you are collecting a urine sample for us to check in our surgeries, it's important, number one, if possible, to collect the first sample of the day because obviously the bacteria will have had time to grow in your bladder overnight so we're more likely to pick up any infection there but a midstream sample is vital so on our skin especially at the genital area there are bacteria there and what we want you to do is to let the first little bit of urine go and that'll kind of flush away that and then collect the next part that midstream part and that will give us an accurate assessment whether you have an infection but also whether there's a lot of inflammation so when we bring it into the nurse or your GP we have little sticks and we will do what's called urinalysis we can check for blood, we can check for other signs of bacteria such as white cells and something that's released by the commonest cause of, back, of kidney infections, E. coli. So infections, number one. Um, treatment is therefore for that will be will be the antibiotics. But if we feel it's not infective, it's something you're getting recurrently and we've sent samples off to the lab and nothing's grown, it may be worth treating it with increasing your fluids, taking sashes that you can get over the counter, such as cystopurin from the chemist. And they'll tend to make your urine slightly less acidy and therefore allow you to pee without discomfort while you're increasing your fluids. Um, if and you and know sorry, if, if a woman is in pain with this as well, is that a time to take painkillers over the counter? painkillers? Well, I'd kind of caution what painkillers you're taking because sometimes the anti-inflammatories can make it a little bit worse. So be careful. Take your paracetamol as, as your first line. And the other thing is some women are getting this recurrently after intercourse. So if that's the story, then we'd kind of advise you try and empty the bladder soon afterwards. And that helps with that for those women that that's not helping, we'll often give them an antibiotic to take after intercourse and that can work. But again, that's if we've proven that you're getting infections each time. Now, if it goes untreated, can it develop into something else which might be more serious, such as a kidney infection? 
Yes, it can. The commonest, co- the commonest type of infections that we see tend to be what we call lower urinary tract infections affecting the bladder and the tube outwards. But if that infection starts to spread upwards towards your kidneys, it can develop into a thing called pyelonephritis, which is a very severe infection of the kidneys and can lead to sepsis. So absolutely, if you're continuing to feel unwell, things haven't improved, then talk to your GP. Can it also be something that's going to happen to you perhaps if your immune system is not working as well as usual? Unfortunately, yes. Anybody with lower immune systems, such as those who are perhaps on chemotherapy, those who are on medications that lower their immunity, may be more prone to them. And again, back to that that holding of hygiene down below, make sure you're cleaning from um, front to back rather than back to front, avoiding after intercourse and again, keeping that good fluid intake, especially in days when perhaps um, if somebody who's on therapies that are making them nauseated may not want to feel the need to drink as much, try and push that and that will help. And again, if you are someone who is prone to them and has had a previous history of severe infections, don't ignore it. Collect that sample, talk to your GP. It may not even always mean going into the GP. It may mean talking to the GP nurse and getting the urine checked where we can test it, have an idea if you have an infection and send the sample off to make sure that we've treated you with the right antibiotic if we feel that's needed. Can sometimes these symptoms be mistaken for something else? They can and um, it can be infections of the skin down below because obviously if the skin is irritated in the genital area and you're passing urine, that can cause that same stinging and burning sensation. So other infections such as STIs can present this way and I suppose that's an important one. If men have, have symptoms of burning and stinging passing urine and we've checked a urine sample and we're not clearly seeing it's a, an infection and again, as I said, infections are, are unusual in men. If it's a young man, we'll always suggest getting an STI screen. The other thing is that post menopause and women will tend to find that sometimes the skin in the genital area is quite dry can be irritated and can be broken so we can treat that with local estrogen creams or local vaginal pessaries which are wheat tablets we'd insert internally and they work very well so again Elona there are listeners also getting in touch saying that things like soaps and bubble baths can actually add to the problem For sure, because, yeah, the skin in that area is quite thin. It's much thinner than the skin, let's say, on your arm or your hand. So therefore, anything that's kind of maybe got to create a bit of irritation that you maybe have a slight allergic reaction to will make it worse. So the rule of thumb should be really to avoid using scented products in in the kind of sensitive skin areas down below and just simply use water. Okay, and another listener says chronic thrush and UTIs for a few years. It turns out that low oestrogen was causing it right as rain now. What do you say to that? Oh, totally. So many people treat themselves and they buy their caniston and other treatments thinking they've thrush because they're having irritation down below and perhaps some discharge. But realistically, if you know, if you're having recurrent symptoms, we can do a swab, we can check your urine. And often, especially in the postmenopausal women or the perimenopausal women, that woman coming near the menopause, it's all related to low oestrogen and giving you HRT of some form can help. And what about using supplements? Because as a listener said, having suffered from cystitis all my life, I've started taking a D manos supplement and I haven't had one in years. It's been life changing. Okay, I haven't heard about that. There were there was lots of talk about different things that might help and different vitamins and taking um, uh, oh, cranberry juice or cranberry tablets. And really, there's no evidence to support them working. Some people say they do and they feel well. And I suppose if you get symptom ease with them, great. But I wouldn't be counting it as a kind of a definite rule to take. Thank you very much, Dr. Lona Duffy, for joining us for The Last Word in Health. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.